Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with myself, Leo Flowers. How are how are we doing? How are we grooving? Did you journal this morning? I journaled. Uh, wait, did I journal? Oh, I don't. Oh, I did journal. I've been doing this thing where I'm practicing writing with my uh, right hand, my don, my non dominant hand. I've talked about this before. I keep talking about it because I want to encourage you also to do the same thing. You get out that pad and paper, get that little pen, start to scribble. And the reason why you do this is it helps with your anxiety. And you could write whatever. I've been practicing writing my ABCs, not just ABC, but all the way through Z, uh, like five to ten times. If you don't want to do that, just, you know, write whatever you want to write. But there's just something uh, powerful and it brings you into the present moment uh, uh, when you write with your non-dominant hand. And it doesn't even have to be a whole page or half a page. Maybe just practice a word a day or uh, a sentence a day or a paragraph or a half a page. Take baby steps. But it's, uh, but it's cool to do it. I have a friend. She practices brushing her teeth with her non-dominant hand, which I actually want to start doing also, but it's enough to write with uh, my right hand. I'm a little wired right now. I went to uh, Yosemite, Yosemite Park uh, yesterday because uh, I needed some fresh air. I needed to move. I needed to... Um, to, 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 I needed novelty. I needed to connect with nature. You know, living in L.A., L.A., even though it's palm trees and, um, you know, there's ocean, uh, I there's also a lot of cars, a lot of people, a lot of smog. And and so, uh, you, you know, you have to spend your weekends escaping all of that. The, uh, the the thing that I noticed, because well, I've I've been to a lot of different national parks, is that the people on these who hike these uh, on the, on these national trails or in these national parks, they most of them when you look at them, they don't look like they're in good shape. Right? It's a lot of it's a lot of quote unquote dad bods and mom bods and uh, you know just people of varying weight. And sizes and shapes and ages, and it's and I never see on these hiking on these hiking trails people who look like the the people on these uh, magazine covers of like Men's Health and Women's Health and all that stuff. That there's nobody out there with muscles. There's not a lot of six packs out there on these hiking trails. Uh, it's a lot of um, Guts and and bellies and and rolls and flab, and I'm not saying this in a negative way. What I'm saying is, is that the idea that you have to be in this incredible shape to to exercise, to be outside, to laugh, to feel like uh, you're part of a community, to uh, to to live a great life is insane. It's ridiculous. Um, anybody at any time can be out there while those fitness people are in a gym counting their macros and micros, you know, uh, or those the magazine people, real people are out there living their best life and with their family. It was kids, it was old people. They were taking photos and they were helping each other out and, uh, you know, passing around snacks. I saw two deer. Like deer, like like the movie Bambi. Like I saw two Bambies out there, and uh, I got my feet in the in the river. There's nothing better than after you hike. I did. I got in. It was a ten mile hike total that I did. I did the Mist Trail at Yosemite, which would take you up to the the dome, which I didn't do. You need a permit for that. And, and plus, I didn't bring enough food. Once again, Leo Flowers hikes and doesn't bring enough food. 
not enough rations. I sweat way too much. I actually need salt tablets. Um, uh, today, I'm super excited about today's episode. Super duper excited about today's episode. I have a lot of information. I, I'm, I'm so excited. It was, it was one of those things is as I was preparing for this episode, um, and then I, I connected some dots, I was like, oh, this is, oh, yeah, this is powerful. This is so great. Um, and uh, you guys are like, why don't you just tell us now? Because I got, I got a million things I'm excited to tell you about. I mean, and I'm going to even talk to you about being excited about the things that I'm excited to tell you about. Uh, during my trip, because it was a six-hour drive up to Yosemite, I listened to this book called Unbroken. If you have not read or listened to Unbroken, who was it by? Who is this book by? Uh, they Angelina Jolie made a movie about it and uh oh laura hillenbrand i don't know who laura hillenbrand is but she can write and the book is a 13 hour uh audio book it kept me riveted i was engaged i could i didn't want to get out the car i didn't even want to go to yosemite i was I could not believe, and I'm not giving. I'm not going to tell you guys everything, but I, I want to point out something from the book. Without, and it doesn't give anything away from the book. The the it it just it one it shows you the resilience of mankind because of all the stuff that the main character goes through. And I, I'm not even done with the book. I have uh, I think three hours left. Um, but more powerfully. There's a there's a part where they're in a life raft. It's it, it, he's a, a Air Force. The main uh, character is a Air Force pilot. Gets shot down, and then him and two of his men are stranded in the middle of the ocean for forty seven days. Forty seven days in the ocean, and one of the guys is has just given up hope. He has, he's, he, he's, he's checked out. He's not, um, he's just not contributing. He's just not, he's just not there. And the other two guys just are, you know, playing games and trying to figure out, you know, they're, they're trying to stay sharp and lucid and, and uh, figure out how to feed. You know, they're just, they're, they're trying to stay active. They're, they're, they're very hopeful. And, but the one guy his name is Mac, who is who is not hopeful. There's a part where there is a shark attack on their raft, and then Mac springs to life to protect the other two guys from the the shark. Uh, and I bring that up because so often when we see with uh, people who are uh, suicidal. Uh, or even depressed. I, I'd rather even just focus more on the depression part. Actually, is that a lot of it, or some of it, is we're we're too consumed with ourselves and what we're going through, and and but then when we see someone else struggling, going through something, we get this renewed energy, this renewed sense of purpose, so that we can fight. For that other person, uh, that advocates, you know, that's what an advocate is, and counselors and therapists. These are people who, your teachers, uh, first responders, people who love fighting for other people, and that's where they get their energy from, their their sense of purpose. Doctors and nurses, social workers, um, and 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 sometimes. If the people who really feed off that don't have that, then they can we can we could lose our way. And so if you if you are recognizing that in yourself, then that's why, you know, volunteering becomes so powerful or becoming a big brother or big sister uh, is so powerful. There's a um, 
I was moving my car this morning, and because uh, my in my parking garage, the parking situation is uh, weird, so I had to remove my car. And this little boy was walking his dog. It, it, he could only maybe he's like nine or ten, and he was like, "Are you new in the building?" And I was like, "No," just kind of flippantly, "No." And then as I got back in my car, I go, look at that, look at that kid. I thought, then I started to think about that kid and where he lived, because he's, he's a black kid, and uh, I, I, where I live is, you know, predominantly white. And and I start to think, like, man, he doesn't see a lot of other black people around here. And probably has a hard time making friends. You just... Uh, and then here I am just kind of flippantly uh, dismissing him because he's a kid and I got, I got stuff to do. And I, it just, you know, and I go, man, next time I see that kid, I'm going to, and, and hopefully I see him again. Next, I'm going to make it a point to reach out and connect and, um, and, and talk to him and get to know him and, and hear his story and not just look at him as some, you know, get out of here, kid, scram, kid. Like back in the day, that's what they, you know, that's how parents were or adults were with children. Just always telling them to scram or skedaddle. Uh, go to your room. Uh, don't talk when adults are talking. And, uh, and then as I start to have more empathy and compassion and because, uh, you know, I understand. It, you know, I was, I was that kid growing up in... Um, Chicago on the north side, and you know I have my crew of friends, but we we lived a little far apart, not too far apart where I couldn't actually walk and hang out with them. But there were moments where I you know I just wish I had somebody to to play with and hang out with, um, and not just and, and for the most part I didn't have a problem, not as much of a problem as this kid has, because back in the day when I was a kid, kids were I could I could walk around and find a group of kids playing somewhere all the time like that wasn't a, that wasn't an issue and uh and I I know that for this kid that is an issue there's no kids playing around out in the streets the way they were when I was a kid the games of pickup basketball or football it, as as beautiful as LA is even the parks, they don't really even want you running on the grass. You know, people look at you weird, even if you're working out or, or doing stuff. So um, it, it's, a, it's a strange time and uh, it's, a, it's a strange location to, uh, to raise kids. You almost have to plan where you're going to take them. But my point is, is if you are feeling disconnected or lonely, reach, reach out to a group, volunteer, uh, just don't even ask. Just do something for somebody. Just drop them off some pie. We've talked about that before. Um, but check out the book, Unbroken. It's so good, so powerful. And uh, I just, I, I love it. I love it. Um, the, uh, what else did I want to talk about with, it was something else. Um, oh, I did some kundalini yoga. I don't know if you guys have, or into kundalini my friend invited me to do kundalini i didn't want to do it i did i I do hot yoga that's all the yoga i want to do but the only reason why i went to go do kundalini yoga is one uh i hadn't done it before at least i thought i had and once i walked in i go oh i've done this before and there was a reason why i forgot i did it because it, it just wasn't anything that uh, resonated with me. Uh, I, it's hard to explain kundalini yoga. It's basically a yoga class, but the teacher sits up on this perch uh, or stage with a microphone. Not, not, they don't always have a microphone, but this one had a microphone, I think because she's a little older. And it uh, takes you through these series of exercises. And I, the, my knock against kundalini is that it doesn't the the moves don't really warm you up for the 
exercises. A lot of the stuff, I can see people in there like rubbing their neck. Like we had to do a lot of shoulder stuff, a lot of arm stuff. And people's necks were, uh, people were cranking their necks and, and doing squats. And we hadn't even, you know, as a personal trainer, I'm like, none of these people should be squatting immediately without warming up their, uh, you know, stretching out their adductors and uh, hip flexors, uh, activating their glutes, uh, the core. Like, none of those things were done. And immediately, uh, we're doing squats in there. And I know every class is different, but um, it's, it's just not something that I, I would recommend to to most people. But I will say the people in there loved it. You have to wear all white. I didn't get that memo. I was wearing all black. Uh, but I, I could also see the draw to Kundalini yoga because the the teacher or the instructor is more uh, personal. Like she 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 spent at least 10, 15 minutes just talking to us and and getting to know us and sharing her stories, which are cool um, to an extent. But I was I was ready to get moving. You know, when I when I take a class, I take a yoga class. I want to do some yoga. Um, so I have to be present and focus on my breathing and being the moment. All right. So the the main what I really want to talk to you all about today is um, stoicism and managing your emotions. And I, I want to in it and I'm, 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 the root of this is the number of suicides with police officers uh they've new york city police officers have had four i think in the past month two months and i'm sure that that there were different reasons right not i mean every not everybody is uh taking a life for the uh for the same reason but uh but i i wanna but the reason why i think it's powerful is because a lot of people, and we talked about this in our last episode, are not tied into their emotions and feel like they can't express their emotions for one reason or the other, right? And you see the same thing at work, where somebody's having a bad day and they just go, I'm fine or I'm okay. And I know you guys are like, Leo, we've heard this before. Where are you going with this? Here's where I'm going with this. Now in our society, what people are preaching and pontificating about is stoicism, which is, you know, this way of kind of uh, managing your emotions, uh, taking responsibility for how you feel, which is great, and, uh, and just kind of being mentally tough, not really letting anything get to you. You know, uh, if somebody... Is yelling at you, you're not yelling back. Uh, you know, if someone dies, you're not, you're not grieving. You are, you're, mo- you're, you're, you're acknowledging the death, and then you're kind of moving forward. Um, and and there's a time and place to be stoic. We all know these people who just never really show a lot of emotions. A lot of you had parents uh, who didn't show a lot of emotion and. And when I, and and so there's a difference between someone having a flat affect, meaning like the, some people just have an inability to be emotional, and that's uh, a chemical or physiological thing in the brain. Um, but then some people are just choosing to stifle their emotions, and uh, and that's not good. And, and stoicism is is kind of teetering on that of like you know. Uh, Taking taking your pain or anger and not uh, showing it or displaying it and, you know, staying focused, which is good if you are in jail or confined or like in the book Unbroken, you're, uh, you know, you're being beaten every day as a, as a prisoner of war. If, uh, you know, a lot of kids who grew up with parents who are alcoholic uh, become stoic because 
they don't want to set off their they've they've learned that if they show too much emotions it can set off their parents so this this idea of uh, but now like you see it in the workplace where uh people are being oh wait, i'm sorry um Um, where now it's being taught as a mentality and a philosophy in the workplace, a la uh, police officers, first responders, uh, entrepreneurs, and now now you see it trickling over into uh, just the general public, uh, where people are like, you know, being stoic is good, and, and basically the definition is the endurance of pain or hardship without the display of feelings, and without complaint. All right, so let me read that again. The endurance of pain or hardship without the display of feelings and without complaint. All right, so when you read that, I I think we can already hear some problems with that because uh, it's boring. First of all, telenovelas would not exist if people did not <laughs> display their feelings, all right? Because telenovelas are all feelings. And uh, operas are, are e- emotional. Uh, Hamilton was, uh, it was emotional. And, and that's why we go to the movies and, and television. And, um, and without complaint, listen, if, if someone's asking you to do something that, that is against your values, or have wronged you, uh, then you, by all means, you should be uh, complaining. And, and I know that complaining gets a bad rap, but there's a time and place for everything. And same thing with stoicism, there's a time and place for it. Like I said, a la slavery, or jail, or growing up in, a, in an emotionally volatile um, environment, so you have to be stoic, kind of keep your head down. And, uh, but that's not, that's not healthy in our dynamic environment. When you have kids, if you, if you have kids, you're raising kids, uh, you can't be stoic with kids. Kids are, are displaying all types of emotions and crying and laughing and bringing all types of great and powerful emotions into uh into the fray when you have dogs your dog wants to see your face light up with joy and happiness and uh if you're trying to inspire people you know martin luther king you think about all the great orators uh from barack obama king malcolm x those those guys were not stoic by any means there's a, a fire and a passion that they had and, and energy, you think about great comedians and, and speakers, they, their, their, their speeches are emotionally uh, laden. And, and it, you know, if you want to, even in your relationships, you know, sometimes uh, a person will cheat because they want to feel something. They want, they want, they want passion and fire and, and connected and, to feel heard and validated and if, if you're walking around stoic I mean that's just if I'm throwing a party I don't want a bunch of stoics at my party all right that's enough I think I've, I've, I've said enough uh uh Nassim Nicholas Talib Nassim Nicholas Talib said stoicism is about the domestication of emotions not their elimination, right? Stoicism about the domestication of emotions. I am not, let me tell you something. Leo Flowers is not here to be domesticated. I've seen domesticated animals. They don't, this is why I don't have uh, pets because the last thing I want to do is domesticate an animal, let alone my emotions. I want that. I want that pit bull running wild. I want that lion out there doing some lion stuff. Let the tiger. Let the tiger be a tiger. Let that hawk soar. Let that. Let that eagle swoop down. You know, yeah, it's about swooping down on a rabbit, 
but but that's the that's the nature that's the order of things that's just how nature operates right because it, it, the the rat we we domestication you think about a domestic wife right now i'm not talking about uh a housewife right i'm not talking about a housewife a housewife that's a, that's a different thing to me than a domestic wife because a domestic wife is a, a wife who's maybe she she doesn't really want to be home she wants to be at work right she it's uh, she almost she has no no option the, the maybe the husband's like you can't work she's been domesticated she's she's had her dreams and and, and energy and vibrancy tamped down a housewife housewife loves being a housewife when I talk to housewives, you know, they got the yoga class, they got this, they're running that. They, they, the housewives are in charge of the house. They're they running it. You know, but a domesticated wife is a wife who had this energy and vigor. And then uh, for one reason or the other, uh, felt like uh, she, 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 uh, she couldn't pursue her own dreams and goals and and. And it was better off just being at home, you know. See the little light go out in her eye. But a housewife, housewife is taking yoga classes and uh, excited about what she's cooking for dinner that night. And uh, she's uh, got her books that she's reading and her and her girls that she chats with. Um, she she is thriving. She's planning the next family uh, vacation. All those things. Uh, she has a personal trainer who comes to her every other day she, she is she is getting it done you know she she knows everybody in the neighborhood she is connected and thriving so when we talk about emotions you know for for you listeners out there and, and I'm guilty of this too where I, I I tamp down my emotions and my feelings good and bad good and bad um but it's not healthy. And and here is the part that I'm excited to because um uh, well, here's the part that I'm excited about. Here's the part that I'm excited to share with you. When you look at countries that are the most emotional. All right. Now, now this is this is some internet searching and and who knows? Who knows, right? I'm looking at a color-coded map of the world's most and least emotional countries. So Singapore is the least, and I'm going to bring this 360. I'm going to bring it three. It's going to be a beautiful, it's going to be a beautiful thing that I'm going to present to you guys. Singapore is the least emotional country in the world. Least emotional, right? Uh, they have they have even they're calling it an emotional deficit, citing a culture in which schools discourage students from thinking of themselves as individuals. They also point to low work satisfaction, competitiveness, and the urban experience. Staying emotionally neutral could be a way of coping with the stress of urban life in a place where eighty two percent of the population lives in government built housing okay so that's singapore right one of the least emotional countries in the world now one of the uh oh wait post soviet countries are consistently amongst the most stoic um singapore madagascar nepal uh, these are all, oh, I see, these are all countries who are post-Soviet countries. They're the greatest consumers of cigarettes and alcohol. So these countries that are the least emotionally uh, tuned in, who, that have an emotional deficit, that practice stoicism on some level, consume the most cigarettes and alcohol. That's, that's crazy. Right. Um, people in the Americas are just exuberant and uh, rank highly American. 
All right, so Americans and Canadians are both among the 15 most emotional countries in the world, as well as 10 Latin countries. The only non-American country in the top 15, other than the Philippines, are the Arab nations of Oman and Bahrain, both of which rank very highly. So uh, the Americas are very emotional, but the most emotional country, the Philippines. The Philippines. The, the Philippines is not even close. The heavily Catholic Southeast Asian nation, a former colony of Spain, and the U.S. scores well above second-ranked El Salvador. El Salvadorians are number two. Philippines, El Salvadorians. And, and I know you're like, Leo, why, why is this important? Why do we need to know this? Because the Philippines also have one of the lowest suicide rates. One of the lowest suicide rates are in the Philippines. So they're the most emotional country, and they have one of the lowest suicide rates in the world. So what does this mean? Now, there's a difference between being emotional and hysterical. Right. Hysterical is like you're completely out of control of your emotions. And we've all dated that person or met that person. And and you know that they're out of control because when you tell them something they did when they were emotional, they have zero recollection recollection of what they said or did. They're like, I did what? Well, who? What? I can't. No. Mm -mm. I didn't say that. And you're like, oh, you said that. You definitely said that. Oh, you did that. Yeah, yeah. You did that. You definitely. We're going to set up cameras next time. I'm I'm setting up cameras. I'm recording everything. Um, But so the Philippines are the most emotional country. And they have. The least, uh, they have one of the lowest suicide rates uh, in the in the world. Now, what does this mean? Whether you are feeling joy, or pain, or sorrow, or excitement, you have to find a way to express that. And maybe you can't in in your environment, right? Like. If you're in jail <laughs> um, or or you have a it, where you work, you know, it's a very strict type of environment. You have to find a window, whether it's during your lunch break, uh, on the weekends. You have to find a space, a safe space, a space that makes you feel safe enough. Because that's what a safe space is. A safe space is not a space where uh, uh, everything uh, is beautiful and nice. A safe space is a space where you feel free enough to express your emotions without worrying about being judged for them, right? A lot of these colleges, they they have these spaces called safe spaces, but they're actually not safe spaces. What they are are spaces for people who can express whatever you want to express as long as we agree with it. And if we disagree with it, it's going to become a very not safe space for you, right? And so you see that a lot where it's like, we're all about love and peace and harmony. Oh, wait, did you vote for Trump? I hate you. Get out of here. And it's like, whoa. I, you know, it's like, why? why can't I... Uh, you know, why can't both exist together in a harmonious uh, way? I probably lost a few listeners with that. What? You, you support? No, it's like we should feel free enough to express uh, a difference of opinion, right, without uh, worrying about being uh, discarded 
or shunned or banned or anything like that. And that now that doesn't mean that everybody should just be able to walk around and say and do whatever they want to say and do. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if you know, if you if you want to get excited, all right, uh, and it's not the right time, then you're not going to get yelled at for being excited. Somebody just be like, uh, for right now, if we could, you know, can we have a moment of silence, that kind of thing, or whatever, and then later on, we can party and, sh- you know, do whatever, but at, at this moment, it's like when you're taking a test, I'm not saying you should be able to jump up and, and pump your fist and, and play Tupac, but there should be moments where um, you should be able to celebrate how you feel, what you think, what you believe, and there should there should be an, an opening for that. Whether it's in a weekly meeting or a daily check-in, that's what dinner. That's what dinner was about. Dinner was about people coming around, a family sitting down at the table, and everybody checking in with each other. You know, we good? How was school today? How was work? What did you learn? What did you do? Like, the the family did that as a unit, checked in with each other. And that and that's when if there was any beef, you knew, you knew there was beef because, oh, little Timmy's not not eating uh not eating the broccoli. Little Timmy usually loves broccoli. Something must be going on. Or, you know. Uh, the, 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 the siblings aren't making eye contact, so you know there's, there's some trouble there. Or, you know, the, the wife is hitting the plate with the knife uh, a couple times, or, you know, she's stabbing a turkey. Like, I'll tell you about my day. <laughs> Whatever it is, that's what dinner is for. That's what food is about. Food is not about your macros. Let me take that back. It is not just about the macros and micros it's not just about the calories and and the fat and 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 et cetera et cetera food is about connecting and collaborating you you get to collaborate and and cooperate and coordinate in the kitchen you know the you know the daughter would be in the kitchen with mom and the mom would be teaching the daughter and that was their bonding moment and then the father and son would be playing catch or you know tinkering with something in the in the garage those those were moments that we we used to have and uh some of the families uh, and uh, have lost that you know because you know parents are working two jobs now and et cetera et cetera so show your emotions now last week I had on uh, Hillary Jacobs Hendel, who wrote the book, It's Not Always Depression, which is a great book, is one of my most downloaded episodes. Uh, get the book, listen to it, read it. Actually, here's what I recommend. If you buy a book, right, and uh, if you buy a book, get two books. Get one for yourself and then get one for someone else so that you can have a book to talk about with that person. Right? That's how you get that's how you buy books. Buy two, three books. And then it's like, hey, I, you know, I and I, I know it's a financial thing or whatever, but uh if you can't afford that, um get, you know, Hillary Jacobs Handle has a bunch of uh podcast episodes that you can listen to. Share my podcast episode and with a with two or three people. So that you guys can discuss what you've heard. I think, remember, sharing is caring. And one of the ways for you to, uh, for us to uh, learn and relearn and then have it implanted into our DNA so it can change the way our cells uh, uh, regenerate so that we can engrave new patterns and habits is to share the information with other people and then that way it be uh we we're, we're we're sharing the same vernacular where we are coming from the same space because if you have two people reading two different books then you're going to be talking two different languages in terms of uh of uh 
uh, how you're approaching things emotionally, right? It's like uh, the way one book talks about uh, emotions is going to be a little different than another book. So if you both are reading the same book or listening to the same podcast, then you can kind of have the same uh, vernacular around it and then a, a, a quicker understanding. And then it helps to reinforce what you've learned also. One of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So in that podcast and in her book, uh, It's Not Always Depression, she talks about the seven core emotions. And she also talks about how you know which emotion you're experiencing. And this is powerful because a lot of us, a part of what is challenging about naming how we feel is that uh, we don't know how we feel. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it feels like. Uh, We don't know how it shows up. And so I'm going to talk about the seven core emotions, which we briefly talked about in that episode. And then I'm going to tell you also uh, what behaviors to look out for to know which one you're experiencing. That way you can slowly start to unravel it and undo it and demystify it, right? Um, the first core emotion is sadness, right? So if you're feeling sad, and you know you're feeling sad, if you, because uh, sadness slows you down. You feel a little slow. You feel a little lethargic. Um, you're just not, you don't have that, 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 uh, what was that, kick in your step? Kick, kick in your step? That, that, is that the word? Whatever, but you know what I'm talking about. You just you just kind of moseying along, right? So that's how you know that you're feeling sadness. And uh, and I and I know it. I'm just kind of dragging my feet, shoulders probably a little slouched over. Uh, it's not a good look. Eyes are down more than forward. Um, and even mentally, you just you just feel a little slow. So if you're feeling slow, you're just like oh, I'm just kind of. Yeah, maybe maybe you're sad about something and you don't you don't even know, right? And why wouldn't you be sad? Um, everybody, you know, you're just unhappy. All right, uh, inadequate. Maybe you're feeling, maybe you feel, you know, because sometimes you feel sad because you don't feel like you're enough or that you've done enough, right? So, the the you know, I think the solution for that is to to tell yourself that. You know, to acknowledge what you've done and where you've been, and to say you, it, it's enough. And if it if it wasn't enough, if it truly wasn't enough, then you'll get after it tomorrow. Make a plan for tomorrow, or for a week from now, or for a month from now. But just the you know, just plan on what are you gonna do next time. All right, that's for sadness. The next core emotion is fear. So. You know you're fearful because uh, you are either it's run, hide, or uh, freezing, right? Uh, or freezing as in like like a deer in headlights. Like you don't know if you should run or hide, so you just stop. You you just kind of and you hear that when people say things like uh, "same o same o" or um, it's like I just don't know what to do. Like there's there's a fear of I don't want to make the wrong decision, and that's usually what that is. Like run, hide. Uh, if you freeze, just make a decision and and see what happens, or get more information. Usually, uh, the things that we're afraid of is just that uh, we don't know what it is. We don't. We need more information. So ask more questions, ask more detailed questions, ask uncomfortable questions, get in there and, uh, and, and figure it out. Uh, the third one is anger, right? And you know you wanna, you're, you're angry because you want to fight, you feel your blood boiling, you start intimidating people, uh, you act aggressively. And, you know, if you're, if you're angry... You gotta, you gotta breathe it through, man. You gotta, you gotta take a second. You gotta step back, go for a walk around the block, All right? Call someone, call anyone, uh, write it out, go, uh, do some push-ups, do twenty push-ups, do a hundred push-ups, 
Nobody's angry after 100 push-ups. But if you're if you're angry after 100 push-ups, uh, then you're angry. You're you're angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you probably have every right to be to be angry. <laughs> you crank out 100 push-ups or or uh, you know a, a, a mile run around the block. Something. If if you can't do push-ups or you can't um, uh, you can't go running. Then uh, you know, but find something physical because uh, anger motivates us to act. That's the good thing about anger. And so you have to figure out: Do you want to act productively or act destructively? Do you want to act productively or do you want to act destructively? That's up to you. But but anger is not a a negative thing or a bad thing. It's just an energy thing and. What are you going to do with that energy? The uh, fourth emotion is uh, joy. Ah, oh, joy. You see that in the face of babies all the time, children, right? Uh, and you know that they, they feel joy because there's a smile on their face. Uh, they love to share. Uh, the body language is big and just wide and open. Uh, and, they, and they're, um, you know... Uh, they just it's it's kind of in, it's inviting when someone's full of joy, you know. So uh, and you, you can see it in some people's photos. Some people, it was interesting, you know, especially on Instagram, is uh, people a lot of people smile, of course, for photos, but not everybody's smiling photo radiates joy. It's just some people just smiling to be smiling. And then other people, there's like this sheer joy, and you can feel that energy uh, come through the come through the uh, photos. Speaking of joy, the next one is excitement. Oh, this is exciting! Like when you're excited, like you just want to jump up and high five and befriend people, and you and you're hugging and uh, become uh, more physical, uh, and uh, and it's just great. It's just great to be excited. Uh, but however, you don't want to be overly excited because then, uh, if, especially if you're driving a car, you could, you could crash the car or in the bedroom, you want to be too excited, but, uh, a good amount of excitement is, is wonderful. But like I said, you can tell that because you just want to make friends and, and high five and physically it's, you know, you want to physically connect with people and, uh, and, and, and tell people about it. There's just this physical uh, uh, energy that that you get when you feel excited is just is just beaming out of your eyes. The the last two, uh, number six is uh, disgust. Oh, when you feel disgust, you recoil. You know, you you ever had somebody try you know touch you or go to touch you on the shoulder and and you just pull away, you just move away, you want to throw up. That is disgust. So it's the exact opposite of excitement where, like, you want to be around people and touch them and connect. And disgust is you want to recoil. Like, you, and this, and recoil is different than hiding. Like, hiding is like you go find a place to hide. Uh, recoil is like a, a reflex. It's like, ooh, ooh, don't touch me. It's like, oh, move away. Yeah. It's, um, uh, you want to throw like, bleh, bleh. sorry if that if that was a little too graphic for you guys out there. Uh, and then the last one, and this, like I said, this is coming out of Hillary Jacobs Hendel's Hillary Jacobs Hendel's book. It's not always depression. Uh, the last one is sexual excitement. Uh, and when you're sexually excited, you want to move towards that person. You're you're seeking them out uh, because they sexually excite you um and uh it, it doesn't have to be a person it could be a thing it could be music it could be sexually exciting uh dance to dance is sexually uh exciting so there's there's different ways there are different things that you can move towards that uh that that could arouse you um uh, clothes you know in some cultures you know we, we call them uh, fetishes, but I really think that's downplaying um, how people, you know, the the scope of things that can sexually excite a person, uh, whether it's 
clothes or sound or taste. That's why, you know, love songs. That's why we play, that's why we play slow jams. It, it, get, it gets you in a mood. And who's, who's to say what is right or wrong for getting you in the mood? So to, to rehash that, I'm bringing all of this up once again to say that if you're a person who is uh, walking around repressing or suppressing their emotions, then uh, it's, not, it's not a healthy thing to stay there, right? You have to open it up and, and expound on that. All right, so not to stay on that too long, to, uh, uh, boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah. So, uh, there's this author who, who Motier, I, I think it's Motier, I think that's how you spell it. Spell it M O U T I E R. Um, the, the suicide rate, as, uh, a lot of us know, is just shooting up exponentially. It's, uh, I want to say it's gone up. 20 or 30 percent since 1980, 1990. Anyway, uh, Mosier says it's unclear exactly why the suicide rate has changed so much, but there are many smaller explanations that add up to a to paint a larger picture. The economy is one, harsh cultural expectations, a broken healthcare system, and what Motier uh, referred to as America's culture of stoicism which can push people to suffer alone. We really celebrate self-sufficiency in this culture way too much, Motier said. In the meantime, Motier recommends regularly checking in with friends and family who are having a hard time and asking them about what they're feeling. If you think about it, it's that it's what we all want, to be heard and to be seen, she said. To have a conversation like that, it requires a lot of resisting the impulse to jump in with a quick fix or to try and talk about them uh, or try to talk them out of what they're experiencing. So this, uh, and I always want to reiterate this, you know, it's not about fixing someone else's emotions. It's not even about fixing your own emotions. It's just about checking in and, and being aware that we are feeling something. And saying it's okay. You know, like, of course you might be feeling overwhelmed. It's, there's rising uh, financial inequity. Um, and, you know, you look at the global crisis and, or global warming. Uh, you look at, the, like you said, the healthcare system. The, the, the kids at the border. Uh, you know, these families being pulled apart. There's so many things that, but... This is also, and I'm bringing this all back full circle, this is also why it's great to go outside and either go hiking or to a farmer's market or just a place. It's just a a park where there are people because you will see smiles. You'll see all the emotions. You'll see joy on people's faces. You'll see anger. You'll see excitement. You'll see disgust, uh, but you but you'll see when I went when I was at Yosemite, the the amount of uh, of teamwork and collaboration and connection uh, that I saw and courage and 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 curiosity. I saw, there were a bunch of kids running around there looking at little plants and trees and trying to figure out you know, what different things were and, uh, you know, f- f- trying to figure out which way to go. Sometimes the paths, uh, there was two different directions and they have kayaking up there. When, when you're out there in a real, in a real world and not just absorbing it from the news or TV, you see that people really are working to stay connected, to stay compassionate, to stay uh, um, collaborative to be to not to stay collaborative, but to be collaborative. Uh, it's 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 a powerful thing. When I go to the farmers market and you just see it, you hear all the different conversations and p- 
people interacting and, and everybody is different, you know. I, and like I said, I know I live in L.A., so it's a little different. But to find those spaces where you're just looking at people and just just people watching and just observing and 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 when you when you start to see yourself and other people you you feel like the world is smaller and uh and 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 then you you have more compassion and empathy that's also why I love reading the fiction books like when I'm reading unbroken you know there was there was parts of me that because of everything that this uh uh, the main character went through. There were there last night. I didn't want to. <laughs> last night I didn't want to brush. My, I went to bed. I flossed, but I was so tired after driving back from Yosemite. I'm like, I'm not brushing my teeth. I'm just gonna go to bed and I brush my teeth. And I could hear my teeth being like, Come on, man. There's so much acid in here, man. Don't don't leave us in here with all this acid, man. What you doing? And I was like, Shut up. I'm trying. I want to sleep. And then I thought about the book Unbroken and how. My boy couldn't brush his teeth really, you know, for for a while, for a long time. And and then I was like, man, I'm so lucky that I can brush my teeth. And I'm lucky that I got I have something to brush. Because, you know, they he was a he became a prisoner of war. And so he wasn't he was barely getting any food, any rations. And here I am, I was full. I had just eaten uh <laughs> what did I eat? <laughs> I went to uh, I had some Mediterranean. I had some I had some lamb kebabs with sweet potatoes and barbecue sauce and hummus and uh, a side salad. I had, I had my belly was full. I felt great, and and I flossed. And I and I, here I am now laying in in a comfortable bed. I got a, a, a really nice bed, and I have a with a beautiful headboard, and uh, it was and the room temperature was perfect. You know, I had up under my sheets, and then I I was thinking about him. You know, in that he was in a bamboo cell, not much larger than his body, and exposed to the elements. He had two sheets, maybe, and mosquitoes and rats and and here I am like I'm not gonna brush my teeth and I was like Leo you, you you're gonna get up and you're gonna brush your teeth because um uh it's you should be super grateful that you have teeth to brush and that you have a brush to brush it with and toothpaste to because not everybody not everybody has that not everybody and then I have arms I was like man I have arms to hold my toothbrush when I think about those military guys and, you know, some of them then come back with, with everything. And uh, it just, it got me out of bed so fast. So that, that's why it's so great to, um, to read these, uh, these nonfiction, uh, no, yeah, nonfiction books. And, but in speaking of, I'm going to, I'm going to end on this. It, it, you know, it, it, you know, I'm absorbing his qualities because he's a fighter and resilient. And so it, it makes me want to, uh, uh, you know, fight and, and, and realize that there are different ways to look at things and, uh, and, uh, and you know, to hold on to hope. And because what we, what we read and what we hear and what we listen to, we, uh, we start to absorb that into our DNA, into the way we think and feel and, and, and interact with the world. And going back to Kundalini yoga, right? It was the there was an old lady teaching the class. She was like sixty five, maybe seventy. You know, she had that that aura around her. And I think everybody has an aura around them when they're on stage, and everybody's facing them, right? But anyway, but she had this aura around her, and she was talking about how for a while she was teaching a class, and a woman who had Alzheimer's always sat in, in the very front middle. And, um, and, and the, the teacher was saying how over time she felt like she was developing Alzheimer's because she uh, was, the, the girl was always up front and she was kind of absor uh, uh, absorbing her behaviors or what have you. And so she uh, 
uh, had they wouldn't let the girl take her class anymore. And is that acceptable? I don't think so. I I I think that there's there's a different way to go about it. But the point is, the point is, is that we have to be mindful of the energy that we're taking in, of the the music we're listening to, of the shows we're watching. I say that even though I love to watch. There's a I'm not gonna tell you the show, but there's a show on Amazon that's like uh, the 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 French version of Law and Order SVU. That I'm watching and I'm like, I should not be watching this trash. But oh, I, it's, it's, uh, hey, listen, I'm, we're, we're all, <laughs> I'm doing my best here, guys. Um, and girls and, and ladies and gentlemen and uh, those in transition. Um, so, and, and they and them and we and us. Family, family, just say family. What's all this second and third cousin, uh, uh, talk. Anyway, so just be mindful of what you're taking in, of who you're hanging around, because you will start to use that in your in your vocabulary. There's a book called The Culture Code. Uh, culture, C-U-L-T-U-R-E, The Culture Code. Who wrote that book? It's, it's a phenomenal book, and he talks about how uh, I'm trying to figure out who wrote this. Who wrote this thing? Oh, uh, Daniel Coyle. I can't believe I forgot his name. It's an incredible book. It's gotten five stars. Five stars on Amazon. Not a lot of books get five stars. They usually get, you see, four and a half, four, three, three and a half. This book, five stars. It's about an eight-hour uh, listen to the Culture Code. I'll link I'll link that in the show notes also, along with uh, Unbroken. But check those books out. And in the Culture Code, he talks about how when you look at Navy SEALs, Google, any of these top organizations, they have and they completely are talking about um, uh, what their mission statements are and what they believe and what their language is and how they're going to view setbacks and troubles and and uh and and everything and and i bring that up because when you when you listen to music and you watch tv you start to absorb that tv show's culture you start to absorb uh their their way their paradigms right and so you having your own culture at home as even if you're just by your if you're by yourself if you have a family at work Figure out the language, the the language that you're gonna use. You know, like um, you know, um, uh, the last episode podcast episode is called "Weaponize Your Enthusiasm." Right now, you know that's a phrase, but those that's something that you can incorporate. Be relentlessly. I heard somebody else say, "Be relentlessly optimistic or uh, passionately positive." Whatever it is, have some. Create your own acronyms. Um, mine, you know, my, my new one is learn, grow, move. I always want to be learning. I always want to feel like I'm growing. And I also always want to be moving. That's part of why I went to uh, Yosemite. when Because I was, actually, I was just like sitting around the house like, oh, what do I do? I have some extra time. And feeling a little fidgety. And then I remembered learn, grow, move. I was like, I got to move. Where, where do I, you know, where do I want to go? And then uh, a friend, my a friend of mine said, and this goes to, this goes to reaching out and talking to people, because I, I sent a text to a friend and said, ah, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I was thinking about doing this. She's, uh, I was thinking about going to Yosemite. She was like, you should absolutely go. That'd be great. That'd be amazing. And that little validation was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I should go. And then I just got in my car and, and took off and. Um, and so, you know, you don't have to just call people when things are bad. You can call them when things are good or when they're when you're indecisive, when you don't know. You're like, uh, here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here are my challenges. Um, can you, you know, what, what are your thoughts on this? I have a, my buddy of mine, Michael Yo, who just put out a uh, his first Netflix special, Blasian. It's on, uh, not Netflix, I'm sorry, it's on Amazon. 
but it will be on Netflix at some point. It's on Amazon called Blasian because he's black and Asian. Uh, and he's always calling me. And, you know, he, he hosts uh, on TV show E and he has uh, radio shows and uh, he tours the, the country doing like like he's 20 times, uh, you know, married, kids, like wildly successful, has a lot of great friends and just a family guy, great guy. And he's always calling me uh, for for advice and feedback, and and thoughts and ideas and things like that. And, and he and he doesn't just call me; he calls a lot of people. And he has no problem with uh, uh, asking other people for feedback and thoughts and ideas. He's very good at actually. He's relentlessly uh, what's the word uh, uh, obsessive over feedback. And I want to find a better way to say that, but um, but it's a good quality. It's why he's been able to, to not only be successful but to grow and leverage his success because he's not the only one doing it. He's recruiting uh, people into his ideas. He's recruiting people into his mission. So that that's my homework assignment for you uh, this week is to recruit people into your emotions, recruit people into your thoughts, recruit people into your ideas, invite them in, invite people in, don't wait for them to come in and say, come on in, wait, come on in, come on into how I feel, come on into my joy, invite them into your enthusiasm, invite them into your, your anxiety, invite them into your pain, invite them into your, your joy, invite them into your your optimism and your compassion and your confidence and your exuberance. Invite them in. Recruit these people. Get them involved. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. We will talk again soon. Namaste.